When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Man, what a phenomenal opportunity to sit down today with my good childhood buddy. You hear him on his own Sirius XM station, Mad Dog Unleashed, Mad Dog Sports Radio. That would be Christopher Russo. We are brought to you today by Roy's Umbrella. You know, I've worked with Roy for years, and trust me, folks, you can count on Roy's Umbrella for a very low rate on your home loan. Here's the bottom line. No tricks, no nonsense, no extra charges at the end. And here's what I love about Roy. He has been incredibly loyal to me. He's going to treat your family the same way he has treated me over the years. Just go to roysumbrella.com. You'll be glad that you did. But when I think about Christopher, Mad Dog Russo, I think about somebody I met when I was just a little kid. I remember Chris crying in first grade because his little dog, Oliver, had gotten run over (laughs) on Spud Rock Road. And it was the Chris's in school crying in first grade. And um, we've had some great, great memories together. But we're going to have a lot of fun today uh, on this podcast. Chris, how are you, buddy? Hello, Grant. Good to see you, big guy. How's it going? How's Miami? Miami good? We like it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not New Canaan, Connecticut. <laughs> no, but I love the view you got. I mean, you have the water yeah, and everything else. Yeah. It's great. Great to see you. How you feeling? Uh, you right? know what? Everything's going well. And I got to tell you, I'm going to back up to your last show you did on on uh, Sirius XM. You had Mike Francesa on. Yes. And, and, and I didn't get a chance to hear it. Our good buddy, our umpire friend, Brian Knight, told me. I thought you and Mike were kind of, you know, and you got him on, and I hear it was a great segment. Oh, uh, he did a great job. You know, Whitey Ford had died, yep. so obviously Mike's, a, you know, he's a great Yankee fan, as you know. They also were getting ready to play game five, so we thought it would be a good idea. I texted him at 12 o'clock. He said, what time you need me? I said, how about 5.30? I maneuvered with Brent, you know, because I have Brent at 5 o'clock with the NFL picks, so I shortened Brent up a little bit, uh, and I, I cleared the spots, so there was only one three-minute spot I had to do, so I could put Mike on from 5.30 right to 5.50. So give him 29 minutes, and he did an absolutely superb job. Um, yeah, we haven't talked for a long time. Uh, he did reach out to me at the beginning of this, see what was going on. Uh, so, I mean, I guess you can make an argument that, uh, you know, 
didn't quite know how this was how he was going to respond, but I knew he was dying to talk about Ford. He loves Roddy Ford. He loves the Yankees. Mike loves the old Yankees. You know, Ford, man, that's his era. Yeah. So I knew he'd be into talking about it, and I knew, you know, listen, who's going to who th- who would th- you know right now Friday football Friday and everything else people are not going to think about Whitey Ford necessarily around the country. I love Ford. He did too. I thought it would work, and there he was yesterday at five thirty, and he did a great job. Sharp as a tack. Did a great job. Take me back to your first show, Mike and the Mad Dog, on WFAN, and I and, be- and we'll get back to your career before that. But you're with Mike Francesa, and you look back, and you guys basically changed and were the blueprint of sports talk radio. Nobody could ever duplicate what you and Mike did, but take me back to the beginning of that show. Well, remember, the reason why, uh, you know, there was plenty of sports talk. You were probably doing it somewhere. There was plenty of sports talk around in 89, but there wasn't a two-man show. You know, you had Eddie Anderman in Boston. You had Eskin in Philadelphia. You had Pete Franklin. You know, Sterling did it in the early 70s at WMCA. So there was sport. I mean, I had done it since 83 in Jacksonville. Mark Robert had a talk uh, show. Robert. I think it was, it, it was an Mazer, MCA. Yeah, Jack yeah, yeah. Spector. Yeah, there was yeah, a yeah. lot of sports talk. So the thing that Mike and I were able to do is to put the two guys together. Because most sports talk in that time period, in that era, it was the one guy doing it. Late in the afternoon, Art Rust in New York is a perfect example. Maybe doing it between, you know, starting at 6 o'clock at night. So it was only the one guy. So we were the first team to do it. And we did it in the afternoon, you know, in the early part of the day. 1 o'clock in the afternoon, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Most sports shows were later on in the evening thinking they'd capitalize on men driving home in cars. And they wouldn't put it on in the middle of the afternoon. Throw in the fact that FAN is the only sports talk station really at that time IP in Philadelphia, but for the most part, FAN was the only station doing 24-hour sports. So you had Imus in the mornings, not doing sports, but, you know, we were a sports station. So you put me and Mike, Mike and I together, and so we sort of were the pioneers in the duet sports talk. Now, the funny thing is, is that I had never done a show with any... I had, but not seriously. You were solo all the time. Most of the time. In Jacksonville, I did it with the boss's son for a little while, but for the most part, I was solo, and Mike came out of the TV industry... Yep. With Musburger. Yeah, CBS. CBS. Right. You know, he was bouncing around on the CBS NFL Today and Nance and all that. He was their information guy, exactly. right? Exactly, researcher. Right. So from that standpoint, you've had a guy who hadn't done any radio necessarily, and then you had me who didn't know the ins, ins and outs of big-time sports because I wasn't around these teams and these broadcasters. And so FAN decided to throw us together in uh, the summer of 89. We were not uh, in a situation where we had ever worked together. We knew each other. But we had not worked together, and they, they didn't give us a month of trial shows, no practice shows. So, the you know, the day after Labor Day, Giamatti had just passed away. The day after Labor Day of 89, right around the Pete Rose scenario, they put Mike and I together on the air. So I remember that first show. Everybody was watching and sitting in the control room, seeing how Mike and I would react, because Franklin was, you know, had just left. He had heart issues, and Pete had contractual problems with FAA. I used to listen to him all the time at 3W. When in I Cleveland. was at Bowling Green. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Right? And you yeah. can get that station oh, yeah, at night yeah, yeah. because it Pete, had good Pete signal. Pete was a god in Ohio. Oh, God. And you could pick it up at 8 o'clock at night. Yes. All over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 50,000 yeah, yeah. So he left and they decided because he had contract issues, he also had you know issues with yeah. his health. And they put Mike and I on together. So that was in September of 89. And we had never worked together before at the same station, knew each other, but never a show. One of my most memorable shows 
I was on the Long Island Expressway with my father and my brother. Listen to you and Mike. And you guys have Don King on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mid-90s. And Don... You know how Don is. Wouldn't shut Don, up. Don, well, he's, he's worse than you are. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Can't I, get a word in edgewise. No, I, no, no. So, so Don King is on, and you're trying to get into the conversation. And Don keeps on going. And you go, Don. And Don keeps on talking. And you go, Don. And, you keep, and he keeps on talking. Go, Don, shut up. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and no, listen. Don keeps on talking. And you go, Don, shut up. Like you're literally telling Don King to shut up. And literally, like my brother was driving. And I was sitting in the back seat. My dad, I thought my brother was going to drive the car off the road. You're telling Don King, Don, shut up. He could take it. Oh, he could he, take it. That, he, he, was, he was a theater. He was an entrepreneur. He was a theater. He was a Barnum and Bailey. He could you know take what? it. Here's what made that show work, in my opinion. And I shared this story on my first podcast. I had Peter King on a show that I was doing in 1994. And Peter asked me, he said, Grant, can I ask you a question? This is on the air. I said, sure, Peter. He said, um, I'm thinking of, I've been asked to go on and do TV. You know, Pete, Sports Illustrated, great writer, blah, blah, blah. And he said, what advice would you have for me? Wow. And I said, you know what, Peter? Be yourself. Don't let anyone change you. You have to be Peter King. And what I love, and I know you better than anyone because I've known you since we were just little kids, toddlers. You have always been yourself on the air. And I didn't know Mike well enough, but I know Mike well enough to know that Mike was himself. I always tell students, they always ask me a price if I go, be yourself. Don't you, try to be somebody you're not, 100%. You, you have been so genuine. You are, I always tell people, what's Chris Russo like? I said, you know, Chris is the exact same as he was when he was four years old. He just has a deeper voice. <laughs> no, really. And you I have the, the voice. So you, we both have the voices, right, but, but which is important. But you've never changed. I haven't changed. Nope. Always myself. Always a little wacky. Don't take yourself too seriously. That's right. And you, you know, never have. I try not. I know. So if I worry about mispronouncing a word, I don't care. Let them have, make the, let folks be able to laugh at you. Because they're not laughing at you. They're right. laughing with you. You and I would be on the school crowd, the split rock school. And Grant was a very good athlete, folks, back in the late 60s, early 70s. Not hey. only that, Grant was a big, strong guy, intimidating. So if you, you had to handle that with Grant, and then later on with lacrosse, he became a huge lacrosse player. But this is when he was 10 or 11 years old. Grant is, a, you know, he's noisy, and he's a big athlete, tall, and very, very competitive. Keep that in mind. Go ahead. I used to love playing two-on-two football in your backyard. I used to love having you on the team. We'd play Roger Martin and Pete Anzalone or someone else. Who I just else. spoke to, Pete. Yeah, yes. uh, it's great stuff. But I remember throwing the ball to you and – you know, I go, Chris, we, all right, now I want you to go here. I'm, I would diagram the play on my hand, all right? And, you know, Roger would always bite on that fake. I'm like, listen, <laughs> I'm going to pump fake, and then you go long. And we're, we're going. <laughs> Dad and I pump and take off. And, we, and Grant and I used to live right across from a elementary school that was built in 1926. And the great thing about that elementary school is it had an absolutely tremendous front yard. Oh, it was the best. Where, so you, I mean, it was like 200 yards oh, long. absolutely. And you could play touch football. I mean, it Thanksgiving. Oh, thank oh. And you know the Maddie Cupex of the world used oh, to yeah. play. Quarterback Starting quarterback of North, North Carolina. Right, exactly. Right. So we, well, there was, it was, Syasset was great to yeah. grow up and play sports. Well, yeah, but, sure. but, the, but you and I used to love playing and announcing at the same time. But I want you to share with all of the people listening today on If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier, you're the only kid I know to this day 
Who hates the New York Times? Grew up in New York that hated all the New York Times. I would play stickball with Russo. He would be Willie Montefusco. He would be Chris Spire when he made a good play. Oh, I loved Spire. I know. But he would be a Bart Starr, you know, Green Bay Packer fan growing up. Hated all the New York teams. I did. It's amazing. And his dad, Tony. Oh. Diehard Yankee fan. Oh, great Yankee fan. Like a, Not the other teams. No, no. But Yankees. Love the Yankees. But here's Chris. Your growing father up, knew all the sports. My yes. father knew the baseball. But here's Chris growing up in New York. His dad is a religious Yankees fan. And Chris hated the Yankees growing up. Hated the Yankees. I hated it. Big Giants fan. I hated it 100%. I was like the rebel. I liked it. I never you would be gr- Willie McCovey. You'd be John Montefusco. I, I, I love McCovey. You, right. And I love Bobby Bonds. Yes, but you would be McCovey. You would be John Montefusco with the kick. Right? Yeah, the kick. You the, would always the count. Play, the count. The, you count. And you, but you, but, but, so tell me, how, why is it that you were able to grow up on Long Island with two baseball teams, two football teams, a couple of basketball, yeah, a couple and of you hockey? Didn't root for the New York teams. Why is that? That's, I don't know why. That's, I've, I've always been sort of the rebel who goes against the grain, and you're a thousand percent right. Grant was a huge hockey fan. Loved the it. Rangers in the early 70s were a very good team. You know, they were just not quite good enough to win a cup, but they played the Bruins and the Flyers. And, Rattel, Hatfield, uh, Jill Bear was the very, great line. Grant loved the hockey. Right. And they played the Blackhawks. And I liked the Blackhawks. Yes, you loved the Blackhawks. Ran, and Grant liked Stan the Rangers. Stan McKeeter, you were a big Stan McKeeter Stan, fan. Stan, I loved the Blackhawks. And one year, the Blackhawks beat the Rangers in the seventh game in Chicago, 3-2. And I rooted for the Blackhawks, and Grant rooted for the Rangers. Now, why would I do that? I liked the Lakers. And they played the Knicks, played the Lakers, and, you know, obviously in three finals, 69-70, and then the two that they split later on. I'm the only guy there rooting for the for the Lakers. Unbelievable. And Mike's rooting for the Knicks. And the Knicks in New York in the early 70s, late 60s, with oh. Frazier, Frazier and Reed, and, you know, the fact they had to one. Bradley. was a huge team. Yeah, Red huge Holtzman. Team. Yeah, and, I'm, and then they got the Pearls, so they had the great backcourt. Yep. And I'm rooting for the other team. That's unbelievable That's to me. That's the strangest thing. The Yankees, you could see people not rooting for the Yankees because the Yankees said, well, there was a lot of anti-Yankee thing because they had won yeah, so much. Yeah, but they would have rooted. They, the then Mets I would have for the Mets. The Mets were real I good back then. I didn't root for the I Mets mean, The either. Mets were the World Series, the amazing Mets, and you... you Didn't root for either team. I didn't understand that. Oh, that's the strangest thing. And I certainly... I didn't I didn't root necessarily so hard against the Jets and the Giants. Remember, the Jets and Giants weren't very good. So there was no animosity or jealousy towards those teams because they both stunk. So there was no reason to hate them. The Yankees had been great and I had to deal with the old man for all those years talking about Mantle and Dimaggio. Oh, of course. So I can see going a- going anti there. I had you with the Rangers and the Knicks. Yep. So I can go anti you yep. and root against those two teams when I got into the postseason. The Mets had never kind of grasped it onto. You're right. Green Bay in the late 60s. I remember the 66 championship game, but I certainly remember the 66. Seven ice bowl with Dallas, so I love Lombardi and I like the Packers. I can see why I love that team. But you know what's the amazing Giants to me? But you know what? You became an absolute icon in New York sports radio. I'm hating the New York teams, which is absolutely unbelievable. No one. I mean, by the way, folks, you should look it up. The thirty for thirty they did on Mike and the Mad Dog was phenomenal. But I'm thinking to myself, here's a kid that grew up in New York, thick New York accent. Unique voice. No one has a voice like you who made a fortune and became a, I don't even know what adjective to describe, legend, icon, doing New York sports radio 
on hate New York teams. hating the New York teams. I mean, that just like, what's the chances of that happening? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think maybe I wouldn't have worked as well if I didn't have the partner because Mike loved the New York teams. Yes, so that probably them. was, oh. a, you know, he loved the Knicks. He loved the, he certainly loved the Giants and the Yankees. Wasn't a great Met fan or Jets, but I think that had a little something to do with it. Uh, you know, sometimes in those scenarios, you have to tone it down a little bit when you know that they think you hate the teams and then you gloat a little too much when they lose. And I was smart enough to not necessarily throw salt in a wound. And the advantage I had with the Yankees is there's a lot of people in New York who hate the Yankees. So I didn't have to love the Mets, but the Yankees were so good there in the 90s that if I made fun of the Yankees losing, it actually helped 50% of the, op, uh, of the pipe of the listening audience because they hated the Yankees too. There was a lot of anti-Yankee fans in New York who liked the Mets and can't stand the Yankees. They're jealous of them. They're jealous of them. The Yankee fan can be arrogant. And then the Yankees from mid-90s on were great every year, and people relished when they happened to lose. 97, they lose. Oh, one, the Diamondbacks beat them, and away we go. So I I think that helped, too, that I had half my audience agree with me. Let's root against the Yankees and the Jets and Giants. You know, it's funny. I did not root for the Giants in the in, in 86. Well, in 86, I wasn't here yet. But in 90, I didn't root for the Giants. I had picked, you know, I picked Buffalo to win 49-13 in the Super Bowl wow. that year against the Giants in 90. And lo and behold, the Giants played the perfect game and won and, yep. you know, 21 and With Hostetler playing quarterback. With Hostetler playing right. quarterback. And uh, Stephen Baker made a great play, eluding a tackle on a huge first down. And they down. ran the ball great. Yeah, they ran the ball with Otis Anderson. Yeah, they were great that year. They were great. And, the, and Buffalo, uh, I, was at the, I was standing on the uh, right to the left of the goalpost in San Francisco, when the Matt Barr kick went, you can see me on NFL Films jumping up and down, and then I ran onto the field because uh, I had well, a first that, that was a great and championship. That, was, that, was, that, that game was great. I that mean, it's not great, great for a 49ers fan, but you had you had a couple big plays Did you in that cover game. that game, or you just went to the game? I Both. Um, but you had the Roger Craig fumble, but the biggest play of the game was the fake punt with Gary Reasons. You know, Parcells called a fake punt. Remember that? Crucial first down, kept that drive going. That's right. And... Uh, there were so many great plays. You know, Montana got knocked out. The uh, uh, letter Marshall hit. You had uh, – there was a low-scoring game. It was a defensive battle. It was – but it came down, you know, Matt Barr with the game-winning kick. And, again, I'm just standing right underneath the goalpost to the left. But, again, we go back and we talk about our upbringing and all the teams that you used to root for. The Giants – through that era, because Mike was a huge Bill, he and Bill Parcells oh, yeah, were very close. Very close. Were there issues where you have an individual? Oh, I, go ahead. Right, who's so tight? That was the problem. And you're you you're not. It was that, different. That, I was not part of that. How much conflict did that I, cause? That caused a lot of conflict. For a little while, it really did. You know, I remember in 96, I was very happy that Green Bay beat the Pats in the Super Bowl in New Orleans. Uh, that made me happy because obviously Parcells was in the news then. A, the Patriots get to a Super Bowl, and he was about to leave to go to the Jets. And as it turns out, you know, he left to coach the Jets in 97, gave up the first-round pick and everything else. So there was a lot of conflict there. And then I became pretty good friends with George Young. Yes, and maybe I know you George, did. And maybe George Young was smart enough to realize that that Bill had his ally in Mike, so he might be smart to get his ally in Chris. And George, for the people that don't know, George Young was the architect of the Giants' Super Bowl and win in the 86-87 season. Got there in 79. Right. He kind of salvaged the Giants. Right. He brought Parcells yes. in after Ray Perkins went to go to Alabama. So, And then, you know, Mike and I come in in 89, and we become a big thing on FAN. Mike and Bill are tight. Bill's coaching the Giants, 90 Super Bowl, of course. And then, uh, you know, and, I'm, and I got George, and then Bill's rumored to come back when he goes 
to New England. He's rumored to come back after the 96 year, and the Jets hire him, and the Giants did not. So there was that. There what was a lot of issues. you have with Parcells? I had, a, you know, not good then, but very good after that. Yes. Yeah, very, very good. good. You know, it's funny. When he came to the Jets, he did a interview with the New York media from a speakerphone when he was in Foxborough and all the media was at the Hempstead in their conference hall. And I remember I had to ask him a tough question. I raised my hand and he got annoyed. He said, who asked that? I didn't hear you. So I walked up in front of 100 people to the set. You know, down a conference hall, it was a like an auditorium. And I walked up and I asked a question on the speakerphone. So that I was right after the 96 season. Wow. So that caused some animosity. But after that, Bill and I had a very good relationship. We used to see a lot of each other at Due Process, the golf course in yep. Jersey. Bill was a member and a good buddy of mine was a head pro. So I used to go play there occasionally, Wayne Warms. And so Bill was the member and occasionally I would see him there. And we sort of broke a lot of ice. Take me back to the biggest break for you. Will you look back at your career and say, man, if it weren't for that, this may never have happened? Wow. I probably would have to say getting out of Orlando. You know, I had been doing sports talk in Orlando for three years, and they moved me to weekends. New GM. I was doing six to eight. So they moved me to weekends. And so the fact that they moved me to weekends puts me in a situation where I now are lost on weekend programming. I don't have a set time. This is 886. Now, if I did not have Rick Scalar, there was an ad in Broadcasting yep. Magazine. I sent a tape and everything else. If I did not have Rick Scalar hire me, now Scalar put the first Beatles tour to Shea in the mid-60s and put Cosell on the air on the ABC radio network with his uh, Cosell things in the afternoon, mid-60s. If I did not, so he was a big-time legendary guy. If I didn't, and he was consulting for WMCA. He was looking for a talk show host. He got a million applicants, and somehow out of all those tapes, he found me. If that didn't happen, and I did not get to MCA, and I was stuck in Orlando, I'm not too sure where I would have went. That is the break that catapulted me, because I got to New York, and that helped me. 86, April. The impact. Don, I, got, I got to New York in March of 87. But that was, was the impact that Don Imus had on your career? Huge. Imus, too, um, uh, because Imus found me in October. Him and Bernie McGurk, yeah. his producer. Uh, this was uh, Christmas time of 88. And, you know, I was doing sports talk at MCA. And Bernie McGurk must have found me, got the tapes, and played them for Imus. And at that time... Imus was rediscovering himself and was the savior of FAN because FAN started in July of 87. They did not have a morning show. Imus got there in October of 88 and sort of saved the station, so he had a lot of power. So two months later, he hears this wild talk show host at MCA, and he talks to his, you know, the GM. Listen to this guy. You've got to hire him. And because of that, I got, to F- I got to FAN. Was Imus, but, did he's the one that gave you the nickname Mad Dog? No, Bob Raceman did. Bob Raceman did. Newsday. From, uh, Bob, New York uh, Daily, New York News. Daily News. Yep. Really? He gave me the nickname, and Imus pr- propelled it, popularized it, but, I, but Race, Raceman gave it to me. New York is a different animal when it comes to Bob Raceman, Phil Mushnick, and I personally, whenever I used to pick up the news. Those two papers are important. Yeah. But I, that would be the first column I would look for. Right. 
And Raceman okay. still writes once a week, yes. and, and, and Mushnick still writes three times a week. What is it like being in the biggest market in the world where the criticism is unlike any other city with maybe the exception of Philadelphia and Boston when it comes to Northeast, media critics? Northeast. Northeast. Right. Did you take the notion that any press is good press, or did you get into it with Raceman and Mushnick uh, a lot? Not Raceman. Raceman was always a fan. Phil, I did. Uh, now I don't care about the press per se. They can write what they want. Last 15 years, I'm not that interested. You know, they have the right but to say But when you're first starting out. Oh, absolutely. Very, very And they would be, very they could sensitive. be lethal, right? Oh, they were tough. And, you know, you'll, don't forget with me and Mike, you had sort of one guy, Phil like Mike and Raceman like me. And so, you know, that would be a problem. And the papers the are one. competing against each other too with those columns. Absolutely. So if Mushnick said, you know, Russo stinks, Mike's much better. We don't need Chris. So that would bother me. And then Raceman would say, geez, wasn't for Chris. The show wouldn't work. Mike, wow. anybody can do Mike's and I would bother Mike. So that they got in a way, in a lot of ways, of trying to separate the two of us. So that was a major distraction for a period of time. We're talking with Chris Russo here on If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier, and I want you to go back. You and I had the same friends. Oh, same buddies. Growing up. and At least two before high school. Because then I went away to a boarding school and you, you went to Sayasit. Right. Then it was different. But you and I always competed, and we hated to lose. Oh, I hated it. You and I played tennis together. Hated We'd it. We played stickball. We would play. We would have tan- tantrums. Little golf. We used to go we, to that uh, golf that course, Dick Sills Golf course, course, that nine-hole course. Yep. But you and I were so competitive. We used to get in fights, not fist fights, but we used to, like, we would take a grudge home. Absolutely. If and we that's lost against I get, one another. I, 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 one thing about Grant, Grant was much more advanced uh, athletically, number one and number two. At that period, you were a little, you were much more sophisticated than I was. So I didn't quite know how to handle that competitive aspect, and you grew up with it. So you were good at it, and you and were. You a were an athlete. only child too. Which I was I only think child, is but the, you know, you you had your sister. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and yep. you know, you yep. you were sort of thrown out by yourself. So yes. you were grasping for a recognition. Right. A lot so of people don't hard. know this. My my sister was born uh, disabled brain injured and my upbringing in my house was different than most anyone else because we had volunteers in the neighborhood that would come in and and do therapy with my sister literally every day from you know the time eight in the morning to six at night and I didn't have a lot of friends over inside my house because there was constant therapy going on with Jane. We could play football in my front yard or whatever, but I would always be at your you, – you had a really nice we had a backyard. Big, we had a big backyard. And, and, yep. and so – but I was – but you're right. But I had my brother, Stu, three years old. He was older, old, though. He three was years older. older than me. I was wondering if that had any impact on your childhood because it was just you and you had your mom and your dad. And your parents were very strict. Very, they were tough. Yeah, yeah, your parent, you grew up in a very strict family. I didn't grow up in it. I mean, I'm not saying that we, but your, uh, I always remember Molly and, and rest of soul, Tony, but your parents were strict growing up. Well, I, the best thing that happened to me in my, if I look back at my life now is going to boarding school helped me because I think I would have been a little cast aside there at that high school. I, I needed to, to get away from that competitive aspect of it. I wasn't uh, on that pier athletically, so I needed to leave and go to another place where smaller, I could let my personality shine. So that turned out to be very, very significant going to Darrow in upstate New York. I went there for four years. Yes. So that was important. I think I went to this high school for the one year, the junior high school, and I had a bad year. That was in seventh grade. This is in 70... 
Two, right? 73? Yeah. Uh, it was, um, no, it was 71, 72. 70, yeah, okay. And then from there, I went to St. Paul's in Garden City. I remember that. I went there for two years. And then I got a 50 on my Spanish exam. And my mother, as you know, loved the culture, yes, loved the Spanish. Of and I got a 50 on my Spanish final. This would have oh, been boy. in, that would have been in May of 74. I was 14. And she went nuts. Yeah. I, I we and so at that point, and I wasn't going to lower my parents, only child, as you said. That is when we decided to try boarding school to see if I could find myself, and that's where Tony went. Yes, upstate New yes. York, yes. 50, 50, and fifty-one. Yes. So the fact that I went to Darrow was really a absolute godsend. I don't know if I would have made it at Southwoods and then, of course, the high school. And the, the uh, St. Paul's was good for me, but I did badly there that one term. So going to Dara was the best thing. You, on the other hand, you had a harder upbringing uh, earlier because, you know, your parents, they had, yep. a, they had a brain-injured sister. Right. Then they got divorced than you. in ninth they, grade. That, oh, they got divorced in ninth grade. Well, what happened is, is that your 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 mother and father. I mean, they had a they had a child, right. and they had to handle it each differently. That's correct. And my, so it was an right. impossible spot for you. So right. you were sort of cast aside, yep. which I always thought made you competitive. I I cast aside from the house right now, so I got to go out there and make my way in the world, and I'll show you that I can do that. So I think in a lot of ways, it 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 it, it, it forms your personality. Brother's a little older. Yep. Your your dad and your mother get divorced. Yep. You got a younger sister who needs constant attention. Yep. So you need to go out there and get your attention. And sports, I think, in a lot of ways gave that to you. And I think lacrosse certainly did. Nah, there's no question about that. As we delve into our psyche of the both of us. Oh, boy. We could go do on. I, do I have that read properly with you? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I want to get back to your career. You've had so many phenomenal interviews. And you've had the biggest names in the sports world on various platforms, whether it was Mike and the Mad Dog or your show now on Sirius XM. Do you have a favorite interview of all time or a favorite guest that if I said, okay, Chris, you know what? You're only going to have one week left do a bunch in your of shows. career. And then you, I'm only going to allow you to do one interview. Oh, one. Only one. You can only do one interview. Do you know who you would choose? Boy, that's a tough one. Uh, I love the I love the, the guest that um, is a little unique. You know, you know, I love Bob Ryan. Boston Globe. I love him. When he's, he's on, he's animated, yep. he's into it. He reminds me of me. Yeah. Uh, I love Sean McAdam, I, the new guy I've been putting on from the Boston Sports Journal. Mm-hmm. Great musically. Excellent. I, I love him. Um, but if you're looking for the – I love Van Gundy. Yep. When I get Van Gundy on. He's great, isn't very he? Very good. Very good. Uh, very good. And funny. And funny. Yes. He's got, and he doesn't do a lot, so he do, you know, he's I've loyal. Had him on my show. I used to have him on my uh, show. He was excellent, great. Excellent. Uh, you know, John Madden is one I would think about right away. Yeah. Because we had Madden on a lot of 505. Yes, yes, you did. You know, very good on the air. Same personality on the air as you saw on television. Always good to me. I, we, I love Madden. I like um, – uh, you know, I always loved George. He used to come on at 5.05 uh, during the course of the year with the football giants. George Young. George Young. Pat Riley, you know, who, by the way, has not been on since he left the Knicks because Mike and I killed him. Did you know that story? I did not. Tell me about it. Well, you know, but when Riley left the Knicks, you know, he left with that uh, with the uh, whole scenario with the uh, orchestrating via fax machine. When he left the Knicks, you know, he went to Greece and announced his wow. resignation on a fax machine. And Mike and I killed him. Now, Riley thought we were disloyal because for four years, Riley did everything for us. 5.05 on a Friday afternoon, Game 7 NBA Final. Pat would come on gay the day of the game. So we had a great relationship with him, and he thought we were nasty. We were not loyal to him with his resignation. 
but Pat did a bad job. You can't resign from the Knicks job via a fax machine, get on a plane to go to Greece, and not talk to the media in the process. I'm so glad you said that because I think the most difficult thing about what you and I do, and you particularly, is you can't do your job properly without criticizing someone that you're really close with. It's very difficult. All right, well, I talked about this with Charles Barkley in my last podcast about Michael Jordan was his best friend. And they and don't now, talk and anymore. Now, now Jordan and, won't talk to him. Right, but, because Charles was doing his job on TNT and calling him out for what he's done with the Charlotte Hornets. That's the hardest thing. And I know that I agree you, with that. Yeah, because we're people. People forget that just because we have a microphone in front of us, we're still human beings. We still have emotions. We still have feelings. And I've lost friendships over things that I've said oh, the on Kings, the air. Oh, the tough spot. Well, I, well listen. I, I, You're doing I, a talk show with a team that doesn't win. That's, that's not easy. No, it is. Trust me, it's not. And and I haven't even talked about this, but two individuals that came out at me, one Chris Weber and one Matt Barnes, they had shows with me every week, okay? So when they do things that are wrong and I have to criticize them, I'm criticizing them because that's my job, and I criticize people of all ethnicities, and it doesn't really matter whether you're female or male, and you're the same way. doesn't mean that I have a bias against you. doesn't mean that I hate you. It doesn't matter that I'm this or I'm that. And I think that some athletes, and you know this, some don't care. You can say whatever you want, and they understand it and comes with And they don't listen it. either, that's so right. they're not on but, top of it. But, but, and then there are others that are so sensitive. Yeah, it's a tricky that, spot. And, and here's the other deal. They may not listen either, but they listen, they, they're on social media, or their friends tell Which them. Which is worse with the friends tell them, the because worst. they give them the wrong information. That's exactly right. New York, number one market. It is just such an energy-filled, the sports fans are crazy in New York. Was that hard to navigate through all of that? Or did you always take the philosophy, you know what? If I have to criticize, I'm going to criticize. And I don't really care how someone feels. Uh, you know, Glenn, I think the way I do it is I try not to be friends with anybody that I'm covering. Uh, I, you know, outside of Pat Williams, the general manager of Orlando, who is the reason why there's the Orlando Magic. Yeah, Pat, I, Pat absolutely. Great. He's the reason. Right. And yep. he saved my career in a lot of ways. When I got pushed to the weekends on, F, on uh, KIS in Orlando, he... Started as soon as we corresponded. When I got pushed to weekends, the Matt, he came to Orlando to try to get a team, and because there was an NBA feel, they kept me on the station. So he is. So I, I will never knock him. But outside of that, I try not to become too tight with anybody that I've that I've covered. I, I am, you know, I love Riley, love him to death. I still do to this day. But I never, I've never had dinner with Riley. You know, I love Dusty Baker. As I you love know, Dusty, too. And by the uh, way. I try to stay away from Dusty as well. I love Dusty's from Sacramento. Yeah, I know. That's right. I'm yes. a big fan of Dusty's. And I got to tell you, I'm glad you brought him up because Dusty. I'm rooting hard for him. I do, too. He's been killed over the years. You know, the Giants move with taking out. You, you, you know that better than, yep. You know, you got a, you got the kid, you know, catching up, leaning over and screwing up oh, the Cubs. Oh, Wood. Right. He, he okay. ruined their arms and all oh, that whatever. nonsense. But, but here's Dusty. Had that not happened with the Houston Astros last year, Dusty would not be managing the uh, Houston 100% Astros. 100% right. You lose Garrett Cole. All right, Justin Verlander goes down, and here's Dusty in the ALCS, and I am rooting for him like I you agree. cannot believe. That's a good now, point. I don't have a crystal ball any more than you do. If the Houston Astros win the World Series this year, based on what we know happened in the previous runs, cheating this, cheating that, Dusty coming out of the closet. And when I mean out of the closet, I mean he was he was done. He done. was not coming out. He was right. out of his living room. I said closet. You know what I mean? I mean, coming out of like retirement to take over this franchise with everything going on. And I know it's a 60 game. I get all of that. What do you think would what do you think the legacy of Dusty Baker 
will be if they win a World Series this I year. think it's, uh, you know, or next year. You know, he doesn't have his contract guaranteed for next year. I know he's probably right. a little annoyed about that because of this whole yes. thing. Uh, I, I, it will go, it will help him. You know, he has been very good. And he's a guy, for instance, that I used to track. I'm a Giant fan, so I used to call him all the time about the Giants. And I realized I can't do that because if he screws up a game and I got to knock him and he hears about it, he's going to say, hold on, Chris, I gave you all this inside information. And you're killing me. And now, now you get on me. So I stayed away. So I've learned learned over the years doing a talk show, your best deal is never to become too close to people that you might have to interview and everything else. Stay away. Do the interviews and be cordial and never make it personal, but you can't become there. You can't have a relationship with them because there's going to come a day where they're going to do something wrong. You're on the air and your first loyalty is to your fans. So as a result, it makes it tricky. And I think that hurt us with Riley because we were, we never, we socialized with Riley, but he was so good to me and Mike as a team. And then we got on him when he left, and since then I never had him on. So there's an example. But Dusty's legacy will be interesting if they somehow win. It will, it will go up tenfold. Let's put it that way. You have accomplished so much in your career. You have a gigantic platform on Sirius XM with Mad Dog Sports Radio. We are living in a very sensitive society right now. Do you ever worry about saying the wrong thing on the air oh, now? Oh, especially in this last seven months. That's what I mean. Absolutely. You do. So you consciously are thinking about very that. Very difficult. Okay. Very, very, absolutely. Because you've always been a guy, you're going to talk off the cuff. I don't care. No, not, That's not, right. But, but, but this so, kid, in this particular situation, you know, from March, I saw it happen to you. Yep. Uh, and this, you know, this is not just you. You know, a lot of people have gotten hurt there. And, you know, they can Cancel take it. Cancel culture. Uh, it's, it's, you have to be very careful. So I tried to stay away from anything that would be too polarizing. Mm-hmm. And I tried, I very rarely talk about the... Trump and the politics you and can't. the election because you're going to bother right. one half of your audience. Right. So I, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, I, I, I'm proud of the fact that in the last seven months, I didn't have any sports from what March 11th through uh, late July. We had no sports. We had a little golf and we yeah. had a little Kentucky, uh, Kentucky, uh, Belmont, Belmont, but the baseball hadn't started yet. The basketball hadn't started yet. No hockey. So we had no sports. We had the draft and you had some of that, but no sports. And I was able to get through those six months essentially without talking about the world. I did a little COVID, but not talking about the world. And I got through it without getting too deep into what is going on in a country with social protesting. Because if you do that, you're going to bother one segment of your audience. And I got, you know, I got a lot of Republicans who listen and a lot of Democrats who listen. So I try to play it right down the middle. So I stayed away. And you know what really helped me? You're going to laugh what really helped me. You heard me talk about that Laurel Canyon thing. Yes. I loved it. Yes. You know, the epics, the two-part series. Yeah. And I got so into that thing that came out on May 31st, that two-part. I put the director on and I did so much of that music and you'd be amazed, my audience got totally into that. That's awesome. So that carried me in a lot of those days where I would have been stuck talking about Drew Brees. I didn't have to do it. I was at your first radio show for Sirius XM right. at With- the ESPN Zone because Trent, my son, we, it was his birthday. And I was taking him to the Monday Night Football game. The, the Giants, Giants, Washington. Giants in Washington. That's right. Yep. And I watched your first Grand show. Hill. Yep. Yep. I watched your first show. I remember that. Your agent Sandy was there. I was met he him. there? Was he? Was oh, Sandy yeah, there? Of course he was. And and you were so nervous that day because you you were telling me, "Go, man, I don't know what to expect." You know, no one knows me on this. And to see what you have built on Mad Dog Sports Radio, are you more proud of everything that you accomplished on WFAN with Mike and the Mad Dog, 
or are you more proud of taking a channel that was made for you where nobody knew anything outside of New York about Chris Russo and you've now been able to build up that channel where you've got people all over the country listening to you every day. Well, I mean, uh, the, the channel thing, you got to give serious credit for that. You got a lot of guys who, who at the first five years helped me put it together. So, I mean, in the last five or six years, I know we brought Pat McAfee in. Yep. I know that's not for everybody. I get it. But uh, I, 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 a lot of help there. You know, it's a two different roles. With Mike, I had to direct the show a lot. And I learned how to, you know, five hours – do things that Mike really wanted to do, find my way. You had to compromise. I had to compromise. Right. And he probably had to compromise Absolutely. too. Both of us, absolutely. Right. Uh, but since I was the radio guy, I felt I had to direct the show, which I enjoy doing anyway. Let's do this segment here, that segment here, and set the tone and give Mike plenty of chances. To, five hours is a long show. you got plenty of time to do what you think. So I'm proud of that. And longevity, 19 years. You know, you, you, you get your own rating, and you were basically your report card with the ratings. No report card on Sirius. But there were ratings, 19 years report card with those ratings. And so we were able to do that for 19 years. And I didn't leave when we fell apart. I left when we were still big. So that, that's one, that, that is one aspect of the career. This one's a little different. I, I'll tell you what I'm proud of. I think I'm a better talk show host today than I used to be. Because I've, I've, I, you know, without the calls, guaranteed the calls, you have to diversify a lot. You have to do, do different things. You got to try some things. You got to be a little out there. You know how that is. You got to do, a, you know, like the whole thing with Laurel Canyon. Yes. You have to do different things to appeal that, to that particular segment of the audience because you got to find a neutral, you got to find a common denominator. You know, nobody cares about how the Mets pinch hit in the top of the eighth inning in Walla Walla, Washington. So as a result, to find that niche five hours a day on a national brand, the fact that I was able to do that, uh, you know, is rewarding. But, I, I, you know, Grant, you know me, you the same way. Day by day, I'm more wrapped up in my golf score, my tennis game yep. sometimes, and I'm yep. wrapped up with this. But I take it show by show, and you're only as good as your last one. That's the best way I look at it. My so I don't try to get too wrapped up in the whole career aspect to do the job every day and hopefully not say anything stupid to get me in trouble because in this day and age that can do that thing i've always admired about you is your philosophy about this medium and i've always said if i can't communicate with the fans then i'm in the wrong business and i used to take a lot of phone calls on my radio show for 26 years and i would have "Eh, you know what you're taking too many calls people want to hear you the host and blah 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 And I would say, you know what? No, I need to talk to the fans. I want to hear what they have to say. And we get in debates. We get in dialogue. We get into sometimes it was contentious. Sometimes it wasn't. I always wanted to know what the fans were thinking. How am I going to know what the fans are thinking if I can't take their phone call? It is called sports talk for a reason. That's right. And you, I don't even know if I should call you old-fashioned. We're the same age. Well, hey, wait a minute. You got a big birthday coming. No. I do. 61. Same with you, Greg. I know. But what (laughs) what I'm saying about that is... Your philosophy now, I listen to your show all the time. You still take a lot of calls. I do. Okay. And I love that part of you. But if you listen to sports talk radio around the country now. Nationally, they don't take the calls. That's correct. And they also are working with somebody for the most part. Two-man teams. But I, you and I grew up together. We have, and it's interesting because we drifted apart. And your career went this way and my career went that way. And we never really used to talk about our philosophies and everything. But your philosophy and my philosophy are exactly the same. 100%. And that is, you know what? 
If I was told on my radio show in Sacramento that I couldn't take phone calls anymore, you I would have it. resigned. I'm yeah. like, I can't do that. And I love the fact that you still have your audience as part of your show. Yeah, I think you got to have that dialogue with the fans. And I, I, I think that's very important with sports talk. And, and your career went a little different because you went to play-by-play, yep. and you are a good talk show host. Thank you. And you're a very good – and you're a very, we all know that you're an excellent play-by-play guy. I would not have been as good a play-by-play guy as you, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do, you know that, we did the play-by-play together, listening to Marv growing up as kids, because, you know, the Knicks, the Rangers, we wanted to be a play-by-play guy. And so I was fortunate that I got more thrown into the talk radio thing than the, because I never would have had as much success doing the play-by-play. You did the both. So you got the play-by-play thing, and then you got the talk show thing. You're probably... I, you know, you're good in both. You're, I mean, you enjoy the play-by-play more. Uh, yes, I do. So you, uh, I enjoy the talk radio more. Right. And you enjoy the play-by-play more. But you could, I probably could do play-by-play. Yes, you could. Uh, baseball especially. Yes. Uh, and basketball. Couldn't do you the could. hockey, the NFL. No, you could. And you, and you proved that you can do the baseball. Uh, the baseball. Every day, the talk shows. Every day, there's Grant's rant. And at the end of my podcast, there's Grant's rant. I thought, you know what? I always do Grant's rant by myself. But who better to help me out with Grant's rant and Christopher Mad Dog Russo. It's time for Grant's Rant. Grant's Rant is brought to you by New Works Plumbing, locally owned plumbing company in the greater Sacramento area for 20 years. They do repiping for Kytec and carpet pipes. Hey, folks, do you still have a tank water heater? Hey, get rid of it, would you please? And save money with an energy-efficient tankless unit. It's that simple. They're a full-service plumbing company. Hey, they're going to remove the headache, all right? You don't have to worry about your plumbing repairs. Schedule an inspection today. Go to newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X plumbing.com. It is now time for Grant's Rant. All right, so I am now going to bag on my New York Yankees. Yes, sir! I mean, come on now for crying out loud. They got the highest damn payroll every year, and they can't win in the playoffs. The other night, they're bringing Chapman in in the seventh inning. I mean, what on earth is going on? And I am so tired of Stanton. When is Stanton ever going to get a big hit for the New York Yankees? First of all, the guy gets hurt getting out of a shower in the morning. <laughs> he does, so when yes. he's up, can the guy please get a big hit? Hey, What's hey. he doing at the plate not swinging on any of the pitches? That was bad. No, he did hit some home runs in this series against Tampa, so you got to give him a little break. Like that. Um, the, the Yankees, it's been 11 years now. Uh, the Yankees in this series here against the against Tampa, what were they doing in game two? Oh, with the starting pitching. What oh, is, come, come on. The 27 Yankees, Tampa, what the heck? Uh, I mean, what Ruth is, and Garrick are not in the lineup. Let them pitch the game, Garcia. You're bringing, Jay, oh, you're bringing Happen in the second inning in a one nothing ball game? I mean, come on now. And they had won the first game. I thought that was crucial. They, they, they almost intimidated themselves thinking that Tampa was that good. I mean, my God, to bring Jay Happen, who's got an ERA of over five, I was that to me in a lot of ways set the tone. Now listen, the Yankees in game five, Chapman hurt him again. And Chapman now has given up the two home runs and it's poetic justice. He almost killed the poor kid in September. He threw over his head. Oh, I know. Right? Oh. And the kid hits the home run against You're him in the bottom me. of the eighth inning. The Yankees are stuck with Chapman. He's got a big contract down the road. And I the Yankee fan doesn't love Chapman to begin with. No, I don't. And then he's given up back to back home runs in the last two years, which of course the Yankees the postseason. So I'm begging on the Yankees here because I'm tired of watching them lose every year. And and what's the deal with all the injuries? This isn't a football team. It's a baseball team. They get I mean, come on now. What is going on and here? And they cha- 
change their in they change their training staff every single year. I gotta stand. We're on. We're on. I'm standing up because I there need more go, energy. Ready, I'm bad. Well, you hate the Yankees. I love the Yankees. <laughs> but what the heck is going on, Russo? I, I thought you were gonna pick on Gettleman. We're gonna pick on the Yankees. Uh, you know what? Don't get me started on Gettleman. Would you please? And the <laughs> yeah. New York uh, the prevent offense of the New York Giants. <laughs> Would you? Could you please build your offensive line? Is it too much to get oh, me an I offensive know. line? Can you get? Uh, I mean, jeez, oh. they still. All right, so Darnold. Jones, who are you taking if you got to start a football team? I guess I take Jones, but I, I would too. Donald uh, doesn't look good to uh, me. You know, and the Jets are going to have to—they're going to have the worst team. They're going to be ended up with—they're going to take the Lawrence. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so uh, they're going to the Jets are not going to win a game, and so they're going to end up taking Lawrence. They're going to trade Donald and the Giants. Do you feel that Jones is the answer yet at quarterback? I think he's going to be good, but uh, you and know you can't guarantee it. Though, I can't from what guarantee you it. But here's the rant: the New York sports stink right now. How about the football team? They don't want any games. <laughs> they're they're going to have to flip a coin and see who gets the number one. Giants will figure out a win win. They'll win three, four games at the oh, end of the day. And then they'll ruin Instead of getting Chase Young, they're going to have to take a left tackle again. <laughs> you, know, you, beat the, you beat Washington in overtime, and because of that, you lose out on Chase Young. Good Come point. On. Well, maybe Thomas would turn out to be good. Do you, uh, uh, do you like Judge so far? Uh, I don't. I haven't seen enough. I don't know. I, you know, ask me that question in two or three uh, years. But do you, do you like what you've read about him yeah, and yeah, things yeah, like I do. that? Yeah. You know, go through a yeah. wall, doing yeah, the yeah. laps around. But, do you if, like but, but listen, if Bill Parcells is still available, bring him back, <laughs> would you please? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go, man. <laughs> yeah, right. both teams are terrible. That, uh, and the Yankees, of course, another horrendous defeat. Postseason play. That is our rant for today. I really enjoyed this, man. man Thank I love you, it, buddy. Keep You're it up. the best. Hey, Good folks, job. if you like what you're hearing, hit the subscribe button, leave a comment. I'll do my best to get back to you. What a fun show this was. If you don't like that with Grant Napier. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.